Hoop Ball fans, my name is Greg Moraz, and I'm the host of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. On my show, we talk all things going on at the Madhouse on Madison. With a revamped front office, a solid young core, and potentially a new coach on the way, there hasn't been a more exciting time to dive into Chicago's favorite team. We have it all covered for you on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And also on Twitter, at Hoop Ball Bulls. Go Bulls! And enjoy the show! The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. If you thought yesterday was a big day for the countdown, how about two weeks? Today is Thursday, July the 16th. We are one week away from baseball, if it makes it. We are two weeks away from basketball, games that matter. And we're actually less than that from scrimmages. I don't know if anybody's going to be paying super close attention to those, but if they're on TV, I'll probably throw them on. Those actually start on the 22nd, next Wednesday. The first scrimmages, if you want to call them preseason games, there's uh, seven days of those, Wednesday to Tuesday. Orlando, Clippers, Magic Clippers, uh, Wizards, Nuggets, Pelicans, Nets, Kings, Heat are the four scrimmages happening next Wednesday. And they don't mean anything, but, you know, might be good background noise. And these games are happening. You know what the best part about this is if we get there and actually this this thing really does happen? The NBA is going to want to have probably in the neighborhood about eight games a day. I think. I think. Does that get everybody to the point? Eight games a day, roughly. So that would be 16 of the 22 teams playing every day. That's probably too many. Maybe it would be more like six games a day. Because each one of the 22 teams needs to play eight games. There are, of course, two teams in every game. You can do this math pretty quickly. We need 88 games. 11 matchups, eight games apiece. We need 88 games over 14 days, which is about six and change games a day. You know what they can't do? Is play six games... On, what do they have, three courts? I think they have three courts available for the actual games. It might only be two. They can't do that in just one evening set. We're going to have NBA games on early and late. If I had to guess, there will probably be like a like a 1, 4, and 7 o'clock game. Or at the very least, there will be a 4 and 7 They'll space them out by, I would think, at least three hours, maybe more, because there will be sanitizing and you're going to want to, you know, get the players and staff members in and out of the arena so that not everybody's going through the same door. Even though, presumably, the bubble, you know, everybody inside the bubble should be clean, COVID-free, but I think they will try to minimize needless extra interactions. So even if they only went two games or two time slots, an early and a late, as a Pacific Coaster, this is, I'm watching all of this unfold in Eastern time. 
And so if there's a 4 and a 7 o'clock Eastern game, I don't think there will be like a 9 or 10 o'clock Eastern game. I don't think they'll have that crazy late one. So we here on the West Coast, we're probably not going to have basketball past about 7 o'clock our time. And honestly, I'm okay with that because that's right around when we get started with family dinner, getting the kids bathed, getting everybody to sleep. By the time everyone's resettled around here, it's like, well, almost 10 o'clock. I don't get to see much in that window anyway. So bring it on, baby. Give me a 1 o'clock basketball game. Give me baseball next week. Oh, my goodness, we're close. Ah, so many things have gone horribly. You know what? I don't think it makes me a bad person to say that my brain could use just a little reprieve from agonizing over the stresses of 2020. Watching basketball is not going to make me forget about all of the other things going on. It's just going to give, like, your brain can only focus on stressors for so many hours in a day. For the last 120 days, we've been focusing on the things that make us, that give us high blood pressure for, like, all 17 hours we're awake in a day. You can't do it. It's just not healthy. We're all going to have heart attacks. So... Yeah, give me a couple hours a day where my blood pressure can settle back into a pre-COVID level. It's going to change the way my brain works, and yours too, I think. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. Happy to have you aboard. Uh, Excited to announce that we likely will have a new podcast coming here at Hoop Ball in the next uh, month, I would say. It'll be a new team show. Not going to tell you guys any more than that, but very excited about that. Today in sports betting is back with furious power, reckless abandon. Ira and Devin doing a wonderful job. New member of the team named Troy that we'll get into the mix here shortly. So great work by the guys over on Today in Sports Betting. Uh, Ira interviewed the founder of DFI Takeover, Justin McMahon, on uh, the podcast yesterday. So check that out. They talked golf. And betting on it, obviously. It's a betting podcast. DFS Today is back this weekend. Woohoo! It's time, man. That's how you know we're close. Mm-mm-mm. A couple pieces of news out of the NBA from yesterday. Get to that here. Oh, by the way, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is hoop-ball.com. You're going to start to see a little bit of a facelift over there. A couple things on the website already getting spruced up. Uh, Hoopball Fantasy is the Twitter feed. Hoopball Official is the Instagram page, which is growing nicely. We started talking about that a couple weeks ago. There were only like 30 people following the... Yeah, I know. We ignored some of our stuff over here for too damn long. Wonderful work by... Uh, a big team, actually, of guys that we've got trying to fix up the Instagram page. Uh, William and and Lyle and Jordan and Rubens. Everybody's getting involved over there trying to make sure that I didn't screw it up too much. Uh, so you guys, fantastic work. And I don't think Luke, obviously, Luke. God, shout out Luke for putting together a lot of the graphical stuff you guys have seen over here at HoopBall lately. Uh, he's at LukeFBB, uh, by the way, if you want to... Hit him up on Twitter. I'm sure he'll do something for you for a couple shekels. Uh, what do we got going on today? So what's on tap? 
Today is our Thursday episode of Fantasy NBA Today. A couple NBA pieces of news. Then we're going to dive into a few early returns on the industry resumption mock. Adam King put that together for uh, 12 of us. Started on Wednesday, and we are early in round four now. It is a very slow draft. Everybody's got six hours of pick, which you have to do to some degree. Adam is in Australia. We got folks that are all over the, the world in this thing. So there are times where somebody's sleeping and you, you got to give them a quarter of a day to hit whenever their alarm clock comes. Uh, so we'll get through a little bit of that today. We'll continue that likely on tomorrow's show with any other NBA news that breaks. Hopefully, like yesterday, it's more positive than negative, although today we have some NBA news pieces that are a bit on the negative side. Uh, NBA news, negative news number one, Trey Lyles has appendicitis and will miss the resumption campaign, which is a massive pisser because I was actually starting to get a little bit excited about Trey Lyles. I had him inside our top 100 on the resumption board, but you got to yank him out now. See you later, Trey Lyles. He ain't playing. Oh, well. That does uh, likely also impact Jakob Pertl, who we had slightly in front of Lyles, but now there's really no one else to take Pertl's minutes, and so he's going to get bumped up a little bit to me. Uh, I would say at least half a round, maybe a round, more in that uh, Derek Favors-type range of a big man who's probably not going to play more than about 25, 26 minutes, but Pertl can do more than enough, especially with in, in blocks and field goal percent in that neck of the woods. So we'll flip him up there. Uh, he gets bumped up by about a round, round and a half, and Lyles is now officially off the board. Our board gets one name shorter. Darren Fox turned his ankle in practice on Wednesday. That's another down vote in terms of NBA news coming out of the uh, Wednesday afternoon slate. We had Darren Fox at number 42 on our board. I'm not going to move him. They're expecting him to be back and practicing within 7 to 10 days. Luke Walton came out this morning and said they're not going to rush him back, but he is a relatively quick healer by all accounts. And so, you know, I still think the Kings want to try to make a run at this thing, and I think he'll push himself if he has to. Does it hurt him a little bit? Maybe. Maybe. But the guys behind him to me are kind of, you know, they are like a half rung lower than Fox. And if they don't get wiped off the planet the first two or three games, there's a very reasonable chance he plays all eight, which is another big ticket reason to get on the De'Aaron Fox train in this resumption. Him playing all eight games is a really big deal. So I'm not going to shift him yet. We will keep a close watch on his health. Make sure we get the reports when he gets back to practice. And if it turns out to be too damn late, we'll make our adjustments then. And the last piece of news actually broke this morning, and it's a little bit confusing because we don't have a ton of details, and hopefully everything is okay, but apparently Zion Williamson had to leave Orlando today to attend to what is being called an urgent family matter. I don't like the sound of that at all. I hope everybody in the Williamson contingent is okay. With the amount of horrible things going on in 2020 and, you know, with as prevalent as COVID is right now, I can't help, but my brain sort of goes straight to that. But we don't know. We don't know. Anything that I would say on here would be a complete and total guess. 
I don't have any kind of inside track on this. All we know is what's been told to us on Twitter so far, and that's that there's an urgent family matter to attend to. Now, there's a lot of ways that this could go. If it is COVID-related, I'm assuming that he will not then expose himself to whatever is going on. I don't think that medical professionals would, would let him, but it also means that whatever's happening could take some time. If it's something quick, geez, I don't, I mean, I don't know that he would leave the bubble if it was something super short and quick. So this feels like to me, he's going to be out of the bubble for a little bit. He's going to get tested when he gets back into the bubble. Anybody that gets, you know, that comes back in, he's going to have to quarantine in his room for at least two days and a couple of negative tests. And hopefully it stays that way. But he, I mean, he only got into what? two did he have two practices before having to leave so he's far from ready to go at this point i know he's been working out but it's pretty different to get yourself up to traditional nba conditioning levels of course here's the other side of this one we didn't have zion very high on our board anyway if we pivoted back to this the fantasy breakdown we had zion at 70 on our draft board which i think Hoopball is probably going to be one of the lower folks on him. He went very early in our mock draft. Uh, I chuckle because of how far down the board we have him. And he might end up being farther down the board at this point. This may also impact the guys around him. If Zion doesn't come back for 10, let's say it takes him 10 days to get back into the bubble, and then another two days of quarantine... Two days is not enough to get his conditioning level up to where it would need to be. They might need to then hold him out of a game or two of the resumption. I'm sure you'd ask to get in there, and maybe they would throw him in for partial games, but there's almost no way, if indeed he's not practicing again, let's say it takes him 12 days to get back out on a practice court, that's the 28th. That is not enough time for him to get ready for a full game of basketball when they want to, I mean, they're, they're way more concerned about his health than making a playoff push right now. Even if they play well during this resumption, there's no guarantee they get in. This is not like, you know, you're not looking at this and thing saying this is the Pelicans' window. This is not their window. They're a young team on the whole. Drew Holiday donating his entire salary, $5 million, to social justice causes. Amazing. Amazing work. I mention his name because he's basically the veteran on that team. So is J.J. Redick, but Redick not exactly a feature player on the ball club. So let's say Zion Williamson doesn't come back for 10 days. And maybe, you know, this could all be a moot point if it turns out whatever's going on, he's back in, you know, three, four, five days. That gives him plenty of time, provided he tests negative for COVID, to get his conditioning up. And then, you know, that's why we're not going to move anybody right now. But we need to be ready for it, especially if your draft is, I don't know, what, eight, maybe eight days from now, something like that. If you're in a slow draft, you have to start it probably by about eight days from now in case it takes three or four days to actually get through the draft. If you're in a quick one, you could go as late as, you know, the 29th if you really wanted to. So that buys you a little bit more time. Still, let's say Zion comes back late. What would that do to the other names on this team. Well, Derek Favors would definitely get a bump because if Zion misses time, he slots into additional center minutes and he moves up the board because if you get a a couple of big games out of him, he becomes more than worth it 
during this resumption, where you're just trying to squeeze as many big games out of guys as humanly possible. Brandon Ingram moves farther up the list. He was extremely productive with Zion out, and he was only fairly productive with Zion back. Drew Holiday gets a bump. J.J. Redick gets a bump. Josh Hart gets a bump. Everybody goes up because Zion is a bit of a usage hole on that team. You know, to set records, to set rookie records of games in a row scoring 20 points, you have to have the ball. You have to be shooting it. Dude is taking 15 and a half shots a game. That is not a low number of field goals for somebody coming back off missing basically the entire season to injury. Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram are the only guys on the team on the season averaging more shot attempts than Zion. If you go towards the end of the season, it was just Ingram. Everybody's shots went way the heck down when Zion came back. Those 15 and a half attempts had to come from someplace. Second on the team in field goal attempts. You take that out of the mix, Lonzo, more shots. Drew, more shots. I mean, Lonzo, I don't know how much higher we can bump him on our chart. Frankly, I don't know that he gets a big bump with Zion out. He got better with Zion there. There was a certain connection. So we'll be ready for it. We're not going to do anything yet. But we are uh, hot on the case. Hot on the case. And we'll uh, Zion Tracker 2K20. Hopefully nothing else. Hopefully nothing else comes out here while we're doing the broadcast because Wednesday, unfortunately, had uh, some uh, some down news. Some down news. And that'll happen. We had good news the day before. We had down news on Wednesday, so we'll see what uh, see what happens today. Want to pivot into our mock draft results? Took us a little longer to get through some of our our news items today because listen, you know, they're in a whole lot going on right now. So when something like this breaks and we can still adjust our numbers, we're going to do it. Reminder, by the way, check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. You guys are probably getting tired of hearing me talk about it, but I'm not tired about of it yet. I'm not tired of using their incredible products and I'm not tired of telling you about them for two main reasons. Number one, it's actually good stuff. That's the thing. Like if, if I, if I was only, if I was just doing this because they're a partner, you would hear it in my voice. It would be different. But they were kind enough to send samples of some of their products to those of us here on the Hoopball staff that are uh, some of our, our, a couple of our podcast hosts that have them. And they're actually really good. I was skeptical. I really was. I mean, you guys know me well enough to know that I am a pretty, uh, I don't know, jaded's not the right word because I don't just sit around assuming everything is going to be for the worst. I'm just, I'm pragmatic. So when somebody comes at me with a, a claim like, this is not going to pinch, I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't believe it. I really didn't. I've gone through my entire life. I'm a, I'm a skinny person. So my, uh, my skin is not pulled taut. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking about like my neck around the Adam's apple, things like that, where even with a regular sideburn trimmer, there's scratching. There's pinching. There's scratching. I do have... Listen, uh, we'll get into the specifics here. I do have a hairy uh, neck, back. I'm an old man. The hair has shifted from the top of my head. As my dad used to say, the out-of-bounds marker keeps moving on me. 
And it really doesn't pinch. Kudos to you, Manscaped. The lawnmower does not pinch. It's fantastic. Go get 20% off and free shipping with the coupon code HOOPBALL20. And in the process, help us build a lasting partnership with a good company that does uh, good things for generally male-dominated diseases, but it's a male-dominated client base over there. But they're just... They do good things, they make good stuff, and we want to work with them for a long time. But the only way that happens is if you guys are out there getting some of their goodies. So check it out. They got boxers, they got shirts, they got uh, lotions, creams, powders, and then of course they've got the lawnmower. You can get 20% off, and free shipping coupon code again is HOOPBALL20. All right. Mock draft. Mock draft. Um illuminating this was illuminating for me because you guys remember the way we were building our list and so far i can see that most people are not going from the list that we're going from (laughs) i have guys all over the map i've made these big adjustments based on you know how many games i think certain players are going to go and it's going to freak people out I'll just tell you how things started so far. James Harden did go number one. Giannis, interestingly, went number two in this mock draft, which surprised me for a number of reasons. Number one, I still don't see him as a top three guy, not with the free throw issue holding him back. And two, I don't see how the Bucs play all eight of their games. there's, There's absolutely no reason why Giannis should play in all eight of his basketball games. So you're looking at what? I mean, they're... They can have this thing wrapped up in two wins. Do I think he's only going to play two games? Hell no. He wouldn't let that happen. But after two games, it's locked up. The remaining six, they'll probably rotate guys out. Giannis will get game three off, then Middleton game four, Bledsoe five, Lopez six, maybe Giannis again, or maybe game eight, they rest all of their starters. I think the most you see Giannis out there is six games. I think that's your likely number. And that, I mean, that kills you. If you can get someone else in this first round that's playing more than that. I had the third pick. I took Anthony Davis. I was strongly considering Nikola Jokic there. But as we had this discussion last week or the week before, honest to goodness, people, I can't keep track of the days. So it happened. We had this discussion. It was in the past. That's all I know. If we had this discussion in the future... Um, I would be clairvoyant, and we should do more sports betting. It came down to Nikola Jokic needed to basically play two more games than Anthony Davis to level off the per-game versus totals production. Because AD was the number one player on a per-game basis in nine-category leagues this year. By totals, James Harden was out in front of him because Harden played six more games than AD. Jokic was number three by totals, but there was a pretty good gap there. Despite the fact that Jokic played 10 more games than AD. He covered a lot of the ground. He made up a lot of the ground on him. If there was an additional 10-game jump, I think you would have seen Jokic basically in a dead heat with AD at that point. So what you're looking at for this one was... Do we go Jokic and assume he's going to play in all eight games because he is out of quarantine now and and for Denver, you know, there's not a, a big reason for them to play all eight, especially with the COVID and the, the ramp up. He should get a day off. 
But let's say, for argument's sake, for you know, we're gonna assume the the we're gonna assume the negative is an old logic tool. No, well, don't know why I took that class in college, but I did, and now I get to use it on one podcast in the year 2020, some 17 years after I took the class. We're gonna assume the negative is true, so let's assume that Nikola Jokic does play in all eight games. How does he get past Anthony Davis? Well, AD would need to play in only six of those eight games, and the gap would have to be about the same as it was. I also think Jokic plays slightly fewer minutes during this resumption. AD likely will play slightly fewer minutes as well. It's going to be weird. Everything's going to be weird. But ultimately, I went Anthony Davis because his defensive ceiling is so incredibly high, and in a quick roto sprint, if AD goes out there plays six games and gets me 15 blocks, that might be a quarter of the blocks I need to get all 12 points in that category. Whereas with Jokic, he's good at basically everything. He's good at everything. He scores, he rebounds, he assists, he gets some steals, he gets some blocks, his both percentages are good. Uh, would we call him stellar at anything? He's well above average in rebounding and above average in assists from any position, certainly from the center position. But there's nothing he does quite like Anthony Davis does blocking shots. And AD, higher steals number. And the rebounds are basically the same. So in this instance, to me, even if Jokic has a couple extra games here, let's say he even beats him by two games. That's the difference of what? An extra 1.4 blocks on the Jokic side, but that's long since been decided in AD's favor. Because six Anthony Davis games gets him to about 15 blocks. Eight Jokic games still only gets him to about six. Even less than that, maybe. The assists? Yeah, that there's a separator there. Jokic could get you as many as... You know, 60, potentially. Call it 56 assists, AD... Maybe like 18. That's a pretty big gap there. Rebounding. Maybe Jokic gets you an extra 20. You can make up that ground, though. So what what is it to you here? 20 rebounds and 40 assists. Is that more valuable to you? Or Anthony Davis and his roughly 10 blocks? I lean the blocks direction. I do. Scoring should be almost a dead heat. And uh, rebounding and assists, you can you can add those in later. You really can. It's tough to get someone that can do the defensive stuff that AD does later in a draft that doesn't hurt you in at least one of the percentages. So that's why I went that direction. But it was a discussion in my head, for sure. Luka Doncic went at four, which I get it because he's probably going to play in all eight of these. Eh, you might say seven. I don't think they run him totally ragged, but the Mavs... Would love to get out of the seven hole, so it's possible they push him. Um, still, this is a little earlier than I would have taken him. I, I'm looking at Jokic and Damian Lillard as as guys that are uh, more trustworthy in that department. LeBron James went at five. This, is, to me, is is certainly too early. The Doncic one I get because even though he's ranked much lower than LeBron was in, in per-game value this year, LeBron was 11, uh, Doncic was 24, I think Luka plays at least one or maybe even two more games than LeBron. Lakers don't need to go all eight. They shouldn't go all eight. It's more important to get him ready for the playoffs. 
all they want to do is lock up that one seed and they can knock out that in the first four games of this resumption. Three, if they really kicking butt and taking names. And I think LeBron probably plays partial games and almost definitely sits out one, maybe more. So that was too early for me on, on LeBron. Jason Tatum went at six, which is, by the way, where I have Tatum, except he went before Jokic and Dame. Tatum probably plays seven. We've talked about this before. I think there's uh, there isn't any real reason for him to play in all eight of these games, but also no real reason for him to sit out a bunch. So I'm looking at seven for Tatum, and we already did the math on this. He moves in front of a number of these other guys because he's still in the bubble and because seven games is reliably more than some of these other guys, like LeBron James, who I had behind him on our list. Finally, Jokic went at seven. Uh, That, to me, is a steal, because I think, again, I do think he plays seven or maybe even eight of these games, and he was number three this year because of his durability. He was tied, by the way, with Damian Lillard, who played in seven fewer games than Jokic in the regular season, and a reason to give Dame maybe a little bit of a nod. But the other side of this is Portland could get eliminated early in the resumption campaign. Everybody says, oh, they're getting Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic back, so they should make a run at it. But as I said on yesterday's show, I'm almost tempted to fade the Blazers, trying to work two starters back into the mix with only two weeks of practice time. That's hard to do. And Whiteside, his role changes. He's going to try to take a lot of shots coming off the bench. We know he likes to just get his wherever he's coming from on a team. The dynamic is going to shift considerably on this club. If they lose the first two or three games of the resumption, they're cooked. Dame probably still plays a few more, but there is a world where he gets to about five games and then says, eh. And so there's that risk factor involved there. I still like him a lot. I think Portland sort of wills their way to a win, maybe two wins in their first four games, and hangs on just close enough to get Damian into six or seven of these games instead of five. Five would be backbreaking. I don't think they make the playoffs, but this is why, to me, he's behind Jokic. You could even make the argument he could be behind Jason Tatum, but Lillard was so good during the regular season, so much better on a per-game basis that there would be There would need to be another big games played gap for the guys behind him to make that up. Vooch went at number nine on this list, which you guys know I'm I'm high on Vooch. I I have him at 10 on our list, but I do have him behind LeBron just because there there was a little bit of a drop-off in per-game value this year. There was. Vooch was at 18. Pretty good size gap between him and, you know, like a Jokic or a Dame. Not quite that large of a gap between he and, and someone like a LeBron or a Jason Tatum. I think Vooch plays in seven out of the eight games, which may give him a little bit of a leg up if you think LeBron only plays in six. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm high on Vooch, and someone at least in this draft, that was Kyle, is also high on him. I agree with that. I think he's a really safe pick. I like it. I might have gone maybe one of these other guys in front of him, but that's probably it at this point. Maybe two. There might be two guys left. Uh, Kawhi Leonard went at 10, strikingly low for Kawhi Leonard, considering how incredible he was. He was number three this year on a per-game basis. 
Uh, and even despite the fact that he only played in 51 games, he was still number six by totals. And Hassan Whiteside, who was in front of him, is not going to be in front of him during this resumption campaign. So even with Kawhi Leonard missing basically a, effectively a game and a half when you compare it to what would happen here during the bubble, or maybe even a little bit more than that, he still maintained top six production. He was better than LeBron James, who played in nine more games than Kawhi in the regular season. He was better than Jason Tatum, who played in eight more. The guys in front of Kawhi, Dame, Jokic, Davis, Harden. Kawhi should go sooner. He's going to rest a day. There's almost no question he gets one rest day. But I think he probably plays in at least six and maybe seven of these things. I think the Clippers want to actually have all of their guys together. And I don't know that they've they've seen much of it this year. Joel Embiid went at 11, which I think is a little early for our uh, for our grab on him. I do think he plays in six or seven of these games, so I wouldn't dock him too much in that department. We had him at 13 on our board, and there's still a handful of guys that I got in front of him. It's not a horrible pick, not by any stretch. So I don't want to I don't want to level the pick here. Uh, just a little bit too early for him, given there are a couple of guys still on the board that I think have uh, a better outlook just from a you know, how much time are they going to spend on the floor kind of thing, but it's only a couple. And the next two guys are not those two guys. Hassan Whiteside and Drew Holiday went at 12 and 13 on the turn. Um, I'm in strong disagreement on these picks. That's not to say that they're wrong, but in my estimation, I, I would have not gone this way. Whiteside being demoted to a bench roll, there's no way I keep him in the first round as the third big man on Portland. I know he's going to come in and he's going to get his, and that's why we still have him as sort of like a top 60 type of guy. He's not going to completely disappear off the map, and he could potentially even be better than that. But first rounder with Nurkic and Collins back, uh-uh. And Drew Holiday on a Pelicans team that could get eliminated. He's the veteran that would get shut down if that happened. I can't do it. I like Drew. He's number 26 on our board, but this is this is super early. You know, if they make a run at it, he goes in all eight games and he gets a little bit closer to this mark. But I still don't think he's there. If he plays in all eight games, he's probably top 16 in this group. But I don't know, man. I That's a lot. That's a lot to bank on. Drew playing in all of them. The Pelicans making a run at the Grizzlies. A lot of things can go wrong. Maybe they do. They could. And so Drew is a guy I'd take over probably a couple of names here later in this second round. But the only guy I think that's come off the board that I would take over Drew at this point would have been Whiteside. Everybody else, yeah. And and the guys behind him here, some of them, he should be behind those guys too. I don't know about this next one though. Devin Booker, this is pretty early. We have heard that his minutes are going to be kept in check. And there's no reason for him to play in all eight games on a Phoenix team that has no business really even being in the bubble, let alone playing in all eight of these games, because they're not going to make the playoffs. They have no shot, basically a 0% chance. So Booker's probably playing in, what, even if you give him seven out of the eight, the minutes will be down probably high 20s, maybe 30 on the nose. Way too early on Devin Booker. I, I mean, you can make the argument we have him too early. I have him at 20 on our board. And that's with him, I'm assuming, playing in low minutes in seven games. I mean, we could really bump him down another half round, and I don't think anybody would think twice about it. Too early. 
Kristaps Porzingis went at 15. By the way, we're going to get through the first uh, 20 picks, and then we'll put a pin in this thing until tomorrow. Kristaps Porzingis went at 15. I like that pick. He was crushing. He's going to sit out one game, but give him seven as the Mavs try to get out of that seven seed. And uh, to me, he's a top 12 guy. So I dig this one. Uh, big fan of that pick. Shea at 16. He's going to be really good. We have him at 22. This is a little earlier than I would probably take him, but not by much. I mean, he's one of those guys that I think should go pretty early in resumption drafts because he's probably playing in all eight games. They don't want to fall into the seven hole. He was rolling along at, you know, like a top 40 clip and a top 40 guy going in 100% of games is going to be probably a second rounder. Beginning of the second round, little questionable given a couple of these names still available, but, you know, we're within probably about four or five guys of where you could take him, and to me there wouldn't even be an argument. We're just a hair early here. Just a hair. But, of course, he's not getting back to you if you're at this part of the draft, so if he's your guy, he's your guy. Here's the thing. There are probably about three-ish names that I would, I could, I think I could make a pretty damn good argument should almost always come off the board before Gilgis Alexander. And uh, they're coming up here later in this second round. And then there's a couple of guys you could say maybe, but once you get into the maybes, then you're splitting hairs. Pick number 16 is one of them. 17, sorry. And that's Jimmy Butler, who uh, probably sits out one game. But we have Butler at eight, mostly because we're just moving guys out of the way from in front of him. Because Jimmy Butler is number 13 on a per-game basis during the regular season. And there's like four guys-ish in front of him that just are either aren't going to be there at all or shouldn't be there. Cat, Kyrie, Bradley Beal, not going. John Collins, not going to be there. Hassan Whiteside, not going to be in front of him. So... Just take Jimmy Butler and move him up five slots and then don't do anything else, assuming he plays in seven out of the eight games, and he's number eight. I just, I can't, I can't make the argument in my own head that Shea, even playing in all eight games and Butler going seven, you still want Jimmy. Jimmy still got him there. Because there's just such a, there's a, there's a big jump to someone doing what Butler did. You know, number 13 to, what was Shea in the regular season? Right around 45-ish, slightly better than that lately. Slow start, but he'd been coasting in the in the top 40 range for a while. So Butler, uh, I like that pick a lot, actually. It's a good one. Uh, Chris Paul went at 18. Josh was texting me as he did it because he knew it was going to kick me square in the groin. That's one of the guys that I think I can make a really strong argument should be going very early. The Thunder are out to prove something. They do not want to have to deal with the Clippers or Lakers in the first round, so they are going to go hard or hard-ish during this resumption the reason Chris Paul might fall is, you know, this is a lot of time off. His conditioning was great. He stayed healthy this year. You're sort of, like, you're sort of asking for it during this eight-game sprint. But Chris Paul was number 14 per game, per game, and he was number seven by totals. There's no reason he should fall this far. Even if he misses one game, he's still an early second-round guy at, at the very worst. But he could actually, there is an upside here if Paul stays healthy to play in all eight of them. He's a guy that I would consider in the first round. Bam Adebayo went at 19, which I actually like that one a lot if he didn't have COVID. 
I don't think he's, he's still not there, right? Yeah, he's still not there, as far as we know. He could be there, and he could be in a room right now, but no one's seen him yet. So he's still not back, and so I just I can't advocate taking him until we know that he's healthy. I love Adebayo, and when we made this list, I assumed he would be there in time to get his conditioning up because we know he loves to be the durable guy who plays in everything, and he was number 12 by totals this year because he played in all 65 Heat games. But the way things are looking right now, if he's there right now and all of a sudden he shows up tomorrow because he had already been in his room quarantined, then maybe we'd, we'd move him back up somewhere near this spot. But with every day we get closer, with every day we realize he's probably symptomatic. Right? We would have heard something at this point. There's just been no news on him. And so I just... You know, like with Rudy Gobert, it's the same kind of thing. What if somebody is sick? We don't know. What if he's too sick? What if he's getting better? I mean, what if he's not practicing for another week, 10 days? Yeah, conditioning won't be there. He don't really have a reason to push anyone that hard because they're just not moving out of that weird pocket in the middle of the Eastern Conference. And so I, had to, I have to move Bam down our list, I think. He's a guy I would probably skip over. If my draft was today, I know it's a mock draft. And so, you know, we can kind of hope that he does get better in time. And if he does, then this is a pretty reasonable spot for him. I think we had him right around 20 on our board, but the COVID scary. And our last player today is Paul George, who went at pick number 20, very much on board with that one. Uh, We have Paul George actually as, as high as 14 because a healthy Paul George is a mid second round guy and he will play in seven of these games. And so this one I like. Getting him at 20 to me is a good value. Uh, I think there are situations if we did, you know, 100 of these mocks, he might even fall a little bit farther. Um, Although he is, one might argue, probably the last really big name on the board. You get into names that are a little bit smaller after that. We'll pick up where we left off tomorrow, our Friday show. Some more mock draft results and thoughts upon them. Quickly checking the internet to make sure that nothing horrible has happened while we're finishing up the podcast. And it hasn't. Huzzah. Nothing awful. Let's get good news the rest of the day. I'm Dan Bastros. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, hit me up again if you want to be a part of our madness over here at HoopBall. And please go get something over at Manscaped with the coupon code HoopBall20. Got to use the code. They need to know that we sent you. It's big. It's a big deal for us. I've said it uh, 15, 20 times. I'll just keep saying it. This is a really big deal for us. Thank you for listening, everybody. Enjoy your Thursday two weeks. We're coming for you. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.